have a Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. I know this is not Nehemiah. We'll start Nehemiah 6 next week. 2 Kings chapter 2. Some of you men that were bottom row say, hey, I think I remember this passage. Weren't we just there together? Yes, we were. But today, I want to review what we looked at that night. There was about 30 men there. Most of you weren't there. But I, I shared from this passage uh, as a devotion, but this is going to be a little bit more. There was a lot more meat on the bone. That was a devotion to set the table for more of a discussion. Uh, this would be a discussion if you were talking and I was talking back and forth. But uh, as a message from 2 Kings chapter 2, the Lord laid this on my heart a couple weeks back. Um, this time last year, uh, those of you that are visiting, we... We lost, well, back in July, 4th of July, we lost our assistant pastor. He was my best friend for 11 years. He served with me, well, my best friend longer than that, maybe 12, 13 years. But he served with me uh, as our assistant pastor for 11 years and uh, was like a family figure uh, to my kids, uh, to many of you men. He was a father figure. Uh, Randy was uh, 11 years older than me. Uh, but yet he submitted himself in serving as the assistant pastor to me and, and just was a faithful right hand. Now, this text that we're going to read, I, I'm not reading it as a parallel uh, because there's no hierarchy in the family of God. In, in this text we're about to read, Elijah's going to go home. He's not going to die. He, he's one of the two people in the Bible that kind of just ascends into heaven without death. That would be pretty cool, huh? The rapture could add a bunch of us to that list, but, um, but unless that happens, there's only been two so far this has ever happened with. And his assistant is going to be left to continue the ministry, which is Elisha. So in my, mine and Randy's case, it's the opposite. I would have been uh, Elijah staying and Elisha would go. But that would make sense too, because if you know anything about uh, kind of co-laboring, sometimes the assistant is worth every bit as much, and in some ways more, than, you ever had someone say, they, boy, I could not survive without my administrative assistant? You ever heard that? Yeah, you find a lot of, I used to, in business, I'd meet executives that, you know, I wouldn't even know what day of the week it was if it wasn't for the administrative assistant, right? So a lot of times, your, your number two, in many ways, is more important in certain parts of things so it really it doesn't matter. If, you, if, if the buck stops with the husband, but God took the wife home, wouldn't that be a huge impact? Or vice versa. So it's, it, let's not get hung up in, in, any of, uh, in any of the parallels there. But here's the thing. When God makes a change, we have to adjust to it. Right? Amen? Amen? When God makes a change, we're like, well, I wonder what God is doing. What, I wonder why this is happening. I wonder what God means by this. And life is full of what we would call transitions, transitional phases, transitional periods. Some of you have gone through them uh, in this room. You went from no kids to having kids. That's a transition, right? Your sleep has gone through some transitions, right? <laughs> I, I, was, I was telling Trevor, you know, in, in the next couple weeks, starting this weekend, I have one daughter turned 16, my wife turns, I can't say. Um, <laughs> she looks great for her age. We're in our 40s, just so you know. But, uh, but she turns something that you'll have to ask her if you want to know. My oldest daughter turns 18 in three weeks. My grandmother turns 100. She kind of laughs at all of us like, you know, y'all don't know anything. But, uh, but you know, we've got these transitions. But, you know, for me personally... Uh, you know, I look at these things, and uh, I was telling Trevor, I said, you, you guys remember the comedian Sinbad? He said, look, kids are like, Dad, why don't, Sinbad, Dad, why don't you have a cool car? We had cool cars until you, right? We were cool until you came along. <laughs> My kids are always like, why don't we do this? Why don't we, do this? we could afford to do that if you weren't in the equation. You're the very reason we can't afford this. The thing you're asking for, if you were removed, we could do that. But, uh, but anyway, um, but life is full of transitions. God adds, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, right? 
and there's transitions in life, and some of them we can laugh about, but some of them are difficult. July was a heavy, heavy month. It wasn't, it wasn't something we were laughing. And yet we had transition. We had an awesome wedding, and that's a transitional phase. And so let's look at the text, and let's see. You might have read this text before and looked at it from a different perspective. By the way, the Bible, you can look at the same text from many. It's like the facets of a diamond. It all depends on which angle you're looking at and how the light is hitting it. Now, the truth will always be truth, but it may kind of speak to you in a different way at a different time. And here's what happened, why I even ended up at 2 Kings chapter 2. Uh, I, it was just, you know, first or second day of August, and, you know, we had the men's bottom rowers coming up. And I, hope, I said, Lord, is there something specific you want me to, to meditate on, to read, to think about, to digest, as it relates to us going forward, me going forward, Pastor Randy's now home with you. What, what does this mean for me personally? Uh, you know, the people in our church, the families in our church, the men in our church. Uh, and, I, and I don't do this all the time. I'm, I'm in the book of Revelation in my personal study. And sometimes I'll read a psalm and a proverb to go with it. I have you know, about six different devotionals that I use. But I'm in the book of Revelation in my personal study. But Lord, just impressed upon my heart, just open it up. And I had not opened to 2 Kings, I bet, in three years. At least. And even though I've read all the way through, matter of fact, I'm finishing up Revelation, I'll start back in Genesis. But I hadn't touched 2 Kings in like three years. And I love this story. It's a great Bible story, not just for kids and adults. But the Lord really spoke to me through it, and I want to share it with you. So turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. And I believe the Lord had me read it expressly for a couple weeks ago, present it to the men in a devotion, but now to you. 2 Kings chapter 2, starting with verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Be careful here, Elijah and Elisha, very similar names. But then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. What I think Elisha is saying here is, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yes, I know. I don't want to talk about it. You ever been there? I know this is happening. I don't want to talk about it. It goes on. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and your soul is, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. So now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know the Lord will take away your master from you today? Yes, I know it. Keep silent. Don't you love everywhere you go, people tell you things you already know? You know? They're like, I think you cut yourself shaving. Yes, I know. I don't want to talk about it, right? You know, that. <laughs> Elijah said to him, Stay here, please. Oh, sorry, verse 7. And the, and the two of them went on, finishing verse 6. And the 50 men. Verse 7, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water. It was divided this way and that. And the two of them crossed on dry ground. I wish I could do this. No bridges anymore to wait over. You know, no, no tunnels needed. Just take the mantle. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, key verse, you might want to underline verse 9 in your Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elijah said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And it happened as they continued. In other words, uh, if God wills for that to happen, it's going to happen. Verse 11, then it happened as they continued on and talked. Suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. No one had ever gone into heaven like this. Isn't it interesting that um, God knows all of time, but he didn't send like a Ford F-150 fiery or thing like that. He sent a chariot with horses. Of all the time periods, uh, God, we see in Scripture, he, he did not choose the technological age. Anyway, verse 12, and Elisha saw it. So Elisha sees it. He sees Elijah, his friend, his co-laborer, his mentor. He cried out, my father, my father. Clearly, Elijah was a father figure to Elisha. 
because it's not capital father like the heavenly father. It's lowercase. My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. He took hold of his own clothes, this is Elisha, and he tore them in pieces. This is, this is anguish. This is he tore his clothes in, in pain. He also took up the mantle of Elijah. The mantle was left behind. Everything about Elijah is gone except God allowed the mantle to fall off and land on the ground. He takes the mantle that had fallen from him, and he went back, and he stood by the bank of the Jordan. Now, here comes the moment of truth. He's got the mantle. Verse 14, he took the mantle of Elijah. It had fallen off. Remember, he said, if you see me go up, you're going to have a double portion of my spirit. Well, he did see it, and he cried out, my father, my father, the horseman of Israel. He takes the mantle, and he strikes the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. He had never done anything like this before. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha, and they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. They realized that God was about to do a new work. Then they said to him, look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain and into the valley. And he said, you shall not send anyone. Now, interesting little side note here. These 50 men have a heart to serve. Elijah knows that Elisha knows Elijah's gone. Uh, these men are zealous. They're like, let's go find him. Elijah said, you don't need to send anybody. You're not going to find him. But sometimes, as you're mature in the Lord, you sometimes will let people learn anyway, right? Especially if it's not something that's going to damage them. Say, all right, you want to go waste an hour on this? Go waste an hour. Then you'll come back and tell me I'll never do that again. That's what they do. They go, and, uh, but they urged him till he, till he was ashamed, so he got tired of... Uh, them saying, we can find him, and he says, go ahead, send them. Therefore, they sent 50 men. They searched for three days, but did not find him. And they came back to him, for he stayed at Jericho. He said to them, did I not say, don't go? He clearly has the leadership mantle on him now. I told you not to go, but I let you go. You wasted time. Now let's get back to what God wants to do. Verse 19, then the men of the city said to Elisha, they come back. It's a beautiful passage right here, verse 19 through 21. Please notice the situation of this city. It is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. We can look at our lives. We can look at this church and we can say, it is pleasant. God has done many amazing things, but there's still some bitter waters and there's still some barren areas. Would you not agree? You may have some of them on your hip pocket Right now, you say, I, I know some of these things. Yes, the Lord's done an amazing work in our life, amazing work in our family, amazing work in this church, but there's still some bitter waters and there's still some barren ground. And we're not going to, in other words, these zealous men, Elijah said, you're wasting your time searching for a servant of God when God wants you focused on where you're at. And he said, bring me a new bowl. Not an old bowl, a new bowl. Bring me a new bowl. God says, there's something new I want to do here. He could have done it through Elijah, but he didn't. He says, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. Jesus said, you are the what? Salt of the earth. God says, I'm going I'm to do a cleansing. Salt is for cleansing. Salt is for healing, right? Epsom salt, sprained ankle. You can clean countertops with salt. All these kind of things. So it's, it's both for cleaning and for healing. And then he went out to the source of the water and cast the salt in there. Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from it. There shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. Lord, may your spirit speak. May our hearts and our ears listen. Lord, what you have for each individual, but what you have for us as a church family going forward. We want to finish strong, but we want to finish in the footsteps of your will. And so, Lord, you know what each person needs here this morning. And so we ask for your leading and your guiding. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you're taking notes, you see that the title of this message, God's Unfolding Plan. And... I want to look at just three things this morning. You know, the things that God is doing 
Oftentimes, we can't even see what he's doing, much less make sense of it, until certain pieces come together, right? Have you ever said, this just doesn't make any sense? You ever said that? Of course you have. You've probably said it once a week. But then there's, there's times where you say it where it's just kind of annoying, like, why did we get a flat tire here? Why did the fr fridge break down? Why did this happen? Why this? Why that? But then there's also really big things that, that are kind of a crying out anguish kind of why. Lord, why would you allow this? And as we look at this text, I think there, there's a lot that we could uh, glean from it, but I just want to distill it down to a few things that the Lord spoke to my heart and hopefully it will minister to you and to us collectively as we continue forward in the remainder of this year and into 2019 as well. The first thing I want to point out is to go past the announcements which I already gave you, but anyway, if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to highlight is what I've titled patient growth. Growth takes patience, doesn't it? Elijah and Elisha had served together. We don't know how long they had served together exactly, but they had served together. Some of you are married. You have served together. Some of the people that are married in this church have lost, at least a couple have lost spouses this year. Right? But you might lose people to all kinds. I have a pastor friend that just lost their children's ministry leader to a job transfer. You got, it doesn't matter what it is. There's things that happen, and we'll talk about loss in just a minute, but when you serve with someone, God wants you to be growing. And if we're abiding in the will of God, and I think we would all agree that Elijah and Elisha were two men that were abiding the will of God. How do we know this? Because the Spirit of God does amazing things through them. And so the Spirit of God is on their life, but He's on their life not because they're extra special, but because they're surrendered. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. Isn't that great to know? You don't ever have to wonder, say, I wonder if I'll ever bear fruit. You will absolutely, 100% positively bear fruit if you abide in Jesus. You won't have to think about it any more than the apple tree. I'm going to squeeze an apple out. Apple trees will be Carter's Mountain, all that's coming up soon. They're not up there right now striving to squeeze out an apple. What are they doing? The roots are just getting down, and whenever it rains, they're grabbing the water. Whenever you open your Bible, you're grabbing the water. Whenever you pray, you're grabbing the water. Whenever you say, Lord, I'm going to reject my feelings, you're grabbing the water. If you're abiding in the will of God, surrendered and serving in obedience to God, Elijah and Elisha both surrendered. They were serving. They go to different places, Bethel, Jericho. They find other disciples, minister there. Elijah's like, even though I'm going home, I must go visit these other men. Do you have a heart for other people? You say, I must minister to other people. I must pour into other people. Several things are happening by the work of God and the Spirit of God um, in your life. Many things are happening as we abide. But I, I want to point out a few things that we see in Elijah and Elisha, if you're taking notes. Five things that we see in their growth. What contributes to their growth. Because I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years or five days, God will start to grow you. Commensurate with how long you've known the Lord. And even that's not a hard, fast rule. I've met people that have grew more in the first two years of salvation than some people grew in 20 years of salvation. Not everybody's on the same schedule. Now, I'm not saying that all of that was... I'm not saying that God wasn't selling the person that took a slow, slow 20 years. There was probably many times that they... Uh, you know how when Abraham left Ur and he goes to Canaan, he spent time in Haran. Many Christians have stayed in Haran way too long. They should have been in Canaan long by now. As Hebrews says, many of you should be teachers by now. So there is sometimes a resistance to growth. Any of you have teenagers? There's sometimes a resistance to growth, college age, whatever, but also spiritually sometimes we're adolescents, right? But that was not the issue with Elijah and Elisha. They had kind of come past the resistance phase. I'm not saying that they, every single day, I don't care if you're the most spiritual person in this room, there are days you have a resistant something in your spirit, right? Or it's something God's asking you to do and you just kind of, 
But I'm talking about generally, you know, we never can play games with God. You know and God knows if your life is a living sacrifice or if it's not a living sacrifice. You'll know it. God will make it clear. And they were in that place that both of them were living sacrifices. So Elijah's like, if you want me home, I'll come home. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul said, I don't care which one. I'll serve the same way. I'm ready to be used. And so if this patient growth period, if God is growing you and he wants to be growing all of us, I want to just point out five things that we see in Elijah and Elisha. First, uh, your life, my life, all of our life is on a journey and a path and a plan. And the timing of it is all in the hands of the Lord. Did you know that? Me and my wife were, you know, yesterday, you know, because we have one turn in 16 this weekend. I'm thinking, you know, I met you in 1988. We weren't saved. We met at a party. You ever heard of those things? You know, there, you know. Um, so we met at a party, and there were solo cups and all that kind of stuff. And we met there, and t but today we know the Lord, and we got saved, uh, you know, when I, I don't know, six, seven years later after we met. But we met uh, 30 years ago in 88, and this is 2018, so 30 years ago we met. And we started to look at our life in 10-year increments. And when we met then, we had no idea we would go to college in Miami, live in Miami, then live in Charlotte, then end up in Richmond. And if you had ever told me at that time I'd be a pastor, I'd have laughed in your face. There's no way. Not only would I not be interested, God wouldn't be interested. So uh, both, <laughs> both would be impossible. But your life is a journey and a path, and the timing is in the hands of the Lord. Do you believe that? The timing is in God's hand. And that allows, that takes a lot of weight off our shoulders when we realize that the timing is in his hand. Elijah and Elisha had come to the place, they realized the timing was God's hand. Will we make it to Jericho? Will we make it to Bethel? Will we make it to the Jordan? Will we get across the Jordan? And Elijah would say, it's in the Lord's timing. It's in the Lord's timing. You become consciously aware as you, as you patiently abide in the Lord, you become consciously aware that God really is in control. It's not just a cliche to you. You know he's in control. Number two, you're growing and learning with others. We saw the different men and the different... First of all, Elijah and Elisha are growing together. Jesus sent them out, what? Two by two. You're not an island. You're not called to live your Christian life all by yourself. Well, I don't really need anybody else. All I, all I need is a Bible and a radio. No. We grow and do life together. You saw the other disciples. Number three, your life will influence and impact others. These, these men that they would meet, these different disciples, the reason they're disciples is directly because of the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. Amen? They were the ones pouring into these men. Now, these men had wives, and so there was entire families that had come to serve the Lord because of their growth. Number four, You'll observe the power and faithfulness of God in others, as we saw in verse, uh, verse 9 and 10, when, uh, or verses 8 and 9, when Elisha saw the power of God and Elijah and parting the Jordan, he said, I need that kind of power in my life. Have you ever seen someone, as you've just been part of the body of Christ, say, I need their faith. I need their joy. I need that kind of peace. I need that kind of just friendliness. I need that kind of helping hands. Why, Lord? And, and it's a good thing to pray. It's not a bad thing to pray, Lord. I, I love the little girl that prayed. She saw George Mueller's faith, and she would say her prayers. True story, she would say, Lord Jesus, give me the faith of George Mueller. Because she would see his faith. And Elisha said, Lord, give me Elijah's double portion. I want that kind of power. But, not to, but God knows if you want it, like Simon the sorcerer, for your own glory or if you want it for the glory of God. And there's a big, big difference, isn't it? If you say, Lord, I want that kind of power to minister to other people, that's a, that's a pure prayer. If you want that kind of power, say, look, everyone can see. I could write a book. I could be number one seller at Lifeway, right? Different story altogether, right? Um, but you'll come to see that the power of God is also available to us as it was to them. And Part of our growth is being settled and encouraged by God that the same is available to us. It's not just for the super spiritual. God says, they were not super spiritual until I made them such. So you'll observe, number four was you'll observe the power and faithfulness of God and others, and you'll come to see it's available 
to you and me as well. Number five, we learn to pray and ask. Elisha says, give me a double portion. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. You've not developed a prayer life. You're not asking in the right manner, or you're asking, as James says, for your own flesh. Our petitions, our petitions will become spiritual in nature. Our petitions will become spiritual. They'll be less and less about give me, give me, give me. It'll be more and more about use me, use me, use me. Do you see the difference? Give me, use me. Elisha wanted the double portion because he knew that the, the giants are big in this life that the trials are big, that the rivers that you need to pass are impassable at times. So this is what uh, God was doing. And all that is they are patiently growing in the Lord's timing because he doesn't know when he's going to receive that double portion. Something you prayed about five years ago, God might be ready to do finally this year. But you don't know when that is. Patient growth. Number two, if you're taking notes. So there were some sub-bullets there, obviously. Uh, number two of the three main things we want to take from this this morning. Number two, painful loss. On the path of life, we see what takes place here in verse 12. When Elijah, uh, when Elijah is called up into heaven, and even though he doesn't die, he, as I mentioned earlier, like Enoch, he's one of only two people that does not experience death. He basically goes straight up to heaven alive. Even though he doesn't die, it's not that much different for anyone left behind because he's still taken away. If you're left behind, you're not seeing Elijah anymore whether he had died or whether he had gone up into heaven alive. Either way, he's removed from their lives. And on the path of life, we can be positive. We can be absolutely positive. We will suffer and we will endure losses along the way. We all know this, right? We can be, Jesus said, you will endure things. You will absolutely have losses. There will be losses. There will be things that we will suffer. You know, this, uh, this month, uh, our family, we remember, we lost our sister, what, seven years ago now? You know, we've lost two sisters. I've had one sister die of cancer. The other one died tragically in 2011. And we've experienced in our family losses You've experienced in your family losses. Some of you have lost people this year. Some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have lost opportunities. You, you look back and say, wow, I've had a lot of lost time or wasted. There are losses that we experience. There are things that are going to happen to us that we could not avoid. There is no way you could avoid it because God says there's no way there's no avoiding this. This cloud's coming in no matter what. Jesus made this clear to the disciples. He said, don't try and avoid them. You're going to have to go across the Galilee. In the storms, they're going to happen. God not only allows these things, he sometimes brings it about. You can't even look at this story and say, well, God just allowed Elijah to go. No, God took him up in a fiery chariot. Amen? There's no mistaking that God is the one that actually takes Elijah out of the scene and it doesn't make always a whole lot of sense. But we know God not only allows things, but he certainly brings things about. And we can see from Elisha's response to God three important things to note. So some just kind of observation of Elisha's response. Elisha is left behind. Elisha has to go forward. Elisha has to say what next. Elisha has to say, what's the transitional phase here, Lord? Elisha has to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And we can see three things from his response. Number one, even when we know, and sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't, even when we know in advance what could or would happen, when we endure a loss or a trial, it's just as painful whether we knew it was coming or didn't know it was coming. Amen? Amen. Now, there can be a shock factor with things that we don't expect. None of us woke up 9-11 expecting that back in 2001. I had a shock factory. All of you did that. Remember, none of us expected that. And we all said we had a national sense of loss. And we had the same questions. Lord, where do we, for Christians, we're like, where do we go from here? What do we do now? But we can know things are coming or not know they're coming, but pain is still pain. Amen? It's still 
and, and he tears his clothes. Even though he had told every time, hey, you know, Elijah's going to be taken from you. Elijah's going to be taken from you. He, he never said, I've already adjusted to that. Did he? Yeah. He said, be quiet. I don't want to talk about it. Be still. Don't tell me about it. I already know this stuff. But he still tore his garments, and he still had anguish. And so that grieve is still going to be there. And which brings us to the second point, that, that grieving or that trial, it's still going to happen or it's still going to impact us whether we know it's going to happen or not. Number two, to express that pain, because he cries out, my father, my father, he takes hold of his clothes. Number two, to express pain to God is a natural response because we know that even if nobody else cared, God does. Amen. And there are times that no one else cares. They'll act like they care. But they don't really care about your problems. I hate to say that. Isn't that true? There are times where people will act like they care, but they really don't care. You'll know they don't care at times because you'll know that they could do something and they won't. Now, we don't want to be that way. But even if nobody else cares, God does care. So the natural response as he cries out with his head lifted up into the heavens because he knows that God does care. And it's a natural response. If you're going through something right now and you're experiencing pain and loss, it's a natural response to grieve to the Lord because he's the only one that really can minister to you. The rest of us can help in certain ways. But at the soul level and the spirit level, only God can minister there in that deep place. Amen? You and I can't do that for another person. What we can is invite them to the rivers of water in the Scripture and then God will do the healing process. That's all we really do. That's all I really do. I lead you to what the Word says, and then the Word has to do, and the Spirit of God has to do the healing and the ministering, which number three. So number one, even if we know in advance a loss, it's still painful. Number two, it's a natural response to cry out to God. Number three, by, grace of, by the grace of God, to at least an extent, it helps settle us when we see things from God's perspective. Now, even when you see things from God's perspective, you're not 100% fine the second you see it from God's perspective. Would you agree? But it starts to help dial us back. It starts to get our vision clear. It's like putting on glasses if you have blurry vision. When you see it from God's perspective, it starts to say, all right, there's purpose in this. God's purpose. Whatever God is doing in bringing Elijah home and completing that span of ministry is not, uh, it's not the end of, but the continuation of God's larger plan. It's not the end of God's plan. It's a continuation of God's plan. Exactly the purpose, exactly the plan, Elisha may not have known, but his expression here is something bigger than Elijah. Look back at verse 12, and Elijah, and Elisha saw... And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel. He doesn't say the chariot of Elijah. The chariot of Israel. He sees something larger, something bigger here. It's bigger than Elijah. It's bigger than Elijah and Elisha. It's bigger than them. See, Israel is eternal. That's a name that God gave to Jacob. Jacob didn't give Jacob that name. God gave Jacob that name. The name is inclusive of a nation, but even in a spiritual sense, we've all become part of spiritual Israel. Did you know that? So it's something larger than Elijah, something larger than Elijah and Elisha. And so he recognizes that God is doing something here over and above his understanding, and that alone settles him. That alone settles him. It probably crossed Elijah's mind, Elisha's mind. I still had a lot more to learn and discuss. We could have done far more co-laboring together than I can alone. It just doesn't make sense. He could have thought all these things, and he may have thought all these things. He probably thought these things. But his response is that of love and faith. Yes, he loves his departed friend. He says, Father, Father, he loves him, but he sees it's something bigger here. It involves Israel. It's something national. It's something eternal. He grieves for his departed friend, in his, in his particular case, even his mentor and his leader. But what does he do? He grabs what God lays there. You have something to grab right now, brother and sister. It's right here. You have something to grab in your hand every single... If you're alive, you have something to grab in your hand. It's the Word of God. He grabs what's in his hand, 
Then he goes forward, knowing that he's called to do the will of God for the glory of God and for his own growth and the growth of others. That's what he does. If you look at it, it says, so he took, verse 13, he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the Jordan. He doesn't say, it's time to give up. He says, I take the mantle and I'm going to go do whatever God has called me to do. That brings us to our final point we want to look at this morning, prepared steps. Prepared steps. I forgot I have four, so it's not the final one. <laughs> so there's one more after this. All the steps of our life in Christ are preparing us for the next steps. Some, we may be aware of those next steps. God's already kind of revealed them to us. Uh, our, our team, they know they're going to Guatemala this coming week. That's something they're aware of. But they may not know is what, what God is preparing in October or February of next year. Some of the, but all the steps, every single step, my wife and I were talking about our last 30 years, all of, we can now look back. We can see each decade is like a chapter in the book for us. This was this chapter, this chapter, this chapter. And each chapter is preparing us for the next chapters. All the steps are preparing us for the next step. Some we're aware of, some we don't, until we arrive at the crossing point, like a Jordan. Then we're like, how do we get across this one? You ever been there? How do we cross this thing? We don't know how to cross this. Well, we know what others have done. I wonder if God will do the same for us. Others may have crossed it, but we'll still have to cross it ourselves. We'll still have to cross it ourselves. Elisha's discipleship over the years and even the processing of his pain. Didn't Dr. Tito do a great job of talking about processing our pain? But the processing of his pain uh, prepared him even more now to fully rely on God. To more fully rely on God. God wants you to more rely on him now than you ever have before. Even if things are going great in your life, he wants you to rely more on him than you ever had before. God will do that in your life and mine. He will bring us all to a greater reliance on him. I believe that we may see in our lifetime a time where God stirs a reliance on him in the American church that we've never seen before. I don't know. I, I'm not praying that. I'm praying that I'm as reliant on God as I possibly can be, with or without good, bad, hard, easy. I just want to be reliant on God because that's his desire. That's his will for us. Why do we need greater reliance on God? Well, we need a greater reliance on God because the steps, the prepared steps of our path will require new growth, new steps, and new faith. Did you know that? You're going to need new faith. Elisha needed new faith. You and I need new faith. We need new faith for new steps and new growth. There's a Chinese proverb that says, be not afraid of growing slowly, be only afraid of standing still. In the Christian life, God doesn't want you running around like a chicken with his head cut off, busy. That's what the world's doing right now. But he doesn't want us standing still spiritually. As we abide in Christ, leaves and fruit do move. There is growth. There is water coursing through the veins of that tree that is growing. And don't compare your steps forward to Elisha's or Elijah's or anyone else's. Don't compare our steps. Jesus said, compare not yourselves one to another. It's a big mistake. Just take the steps. Don't compare the steps. Take the steps. Small steps are actually big steps. Did you know that? Small steps are big steps. Someone says to me, I, I don't read my Bible but I just started in the month of August, and now I'm reading it four minutes a day, I would hug you if it's the right setting, you know, and, and say, you know, that is great. That's a good thing. Take the steps. Small steps are big steps in fulfilling God's will in our lives. Uh, the longer I walk with the Lord, I don't feel the pressure of others' steps and others' growth. The longer I walk with the Lord, I do not feel the pressure of, well, pastor so-and-so is growing like a, fat, like a weed. I don't care. Or so-and-so, I, I don't feel the pressure of how other people are growing. But I am taking the steps God's called me to take. And you have to know 
Lord, I am growing because I'm taking the steps you've called me to take. If you compare it with somebody else, you're, go you're discombobulated going all different. Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Should I be doing this? Take the steps that God is speaking to you to take. I, I don't care at all how fast our church grows, just that we are growing, and not numerically. I, I don't even care about that. That we're growing in the spirit, and we're growing in love. Now, that's visible things. I, I can tell when people are growing in love. Can you tell when someone's growing in love, like a person you know? Can you say, man, I've known this person for five years, and I can absolutely see they're more loving today than they were when I knew them five years ago, right? Growth is evident. The Bible says make, make your progress evident to all. It should be evident. And so I'm not worried about the rate of growth, but the fact that there is growth just that we're growing, and if that happens, everything else will God will, will make it all fall into place. But we all have to take new steps. Past steps are important, but they don't replace our present steps. Let me say that again. Past steps are important, but they don't replace our present step. They only have paved the way for the present step. D.L. Moody spoke uh, of Christians, and not just leaders, and not just pastors, but all believers, he believed, and I agree with him, all believers were called to higher planes. Do you believe God's called you to a higher plane? A higher plane than you're at today. Not that you strive for it, not that you pick it on a wall and say, that's the plane right there. No, you say, Lord, you, I know you're calling me to a higher plane. What am I doing to take those steps of faith and obedience into a higher calling, into more surrender, into greater commitment? God knew what he could do in Elisha, what he could do in the 50 men, what he could do in those other disciples, they may not have known, but they were willing to find out. Isn't that great? They were willing to find out. Elisha may not have known, but he was willing to find out. Are you willing to find out God's potential in your life? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That wasn't an arrogant statement. Paul's like, God can do all things. So therefore, if God can do all things, if I abide in him, then I can take the steps into whatever it is God wants to do. Are we ready to take the steps of prayer and surrender and to see what the all things are for us? Because your all things are not the same as my all things. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's not likely God's calling you to be in this pulpit next Sunday. I, in many respects, over the years, I'd say, I would gladly give it to you. Right? But God said, no, no, this is what I want you to do. But there is a all things that God is calling all of us to, and each one of us have to have the Spirit reveal it in our Scripture study and kind of interacting with other believers and being discipled and in prayer. And God will reveal what the all things are to all of us in an individual setting because God will speak to you and me personally. He's a personal relationship God. He had a personal plan for Elisha. Personal plan for Elijah. Personal plan for each one of those 50 men. And the same is true for us here. Last point. I thought I had three, but I forgot I had four. Anyway, God, God marks the steps. So he, wanted a, he wanted four legs on the chair this morning, so we, we get that. And, and kind of coming to a close here. And it's, it's really important to, to finish here anyway, because this purpose breakthroughs is the final point. As we trust God with our growth, and with our past and our steps of obedience, we never know what he has in store. And this transitional time has grown Elisha's faith, but it seems to have grown others' faith as well. Back to verse 19, the men of the city said to Elisha, and after they had kind of wasted some time, and by the way, they had a good heart to go find Elijah. They thought it would bless Elisha to find his body. A lot of times Christians mean well when they want to do something for you that they think is going to bless you. And sometimes you have to kind of be quiet. And you're like, they don't know, but just let them do it anyway. Because they really are, they're doing it from a sincere heart. But as they mature, they would realize that he had already told them, you don't have to waste your time. You're not going to find, he's with the Lord. You're, God didn't like forget him in a valley somewhere. That's what they were looking for. Perhaps he's on a valley. Perhaps he's on the top of a mountain. Elijah's like, Elijah's like, look, I've been with him. He's, he's with Jesus. But if you want to waste three days, 
You tell someone, hey, we've got that's already covered. No, I want to do this. All right, go ahead, spend your paycheck on it. Go do this, go do that. You know, that's fine. Go. But they had, then they had moved past that. They matured a little bit through that process, and they come back to him. And we never know what's in store, but this transitional time has grown Elijah's faith, but it's also grown the people's spiritual hearing. They're now more attuned to what God wants to do. And it seemed to show them a focus of the heart of God, the men of the city. They now seem, in verse 19, they come back from wasting three days of searching, and they come back, and now their vision's change. They see the city, and they want to talk about now what God needs to do. Instead of kind of wasting their time, you know, it would be like us. Uh, I went to 40 worship concerts this year, and God's like, why did you do that when there's hurting people and you're next door, right? I saw Chris Tomlin, I saw this, I saw that, I saw that. That's amazing. Who did you help this year? Well, nobody, but I had the most amazing worship time, right? I'm not against that, but God says, look, there's bigger fish to fry here. There's bigger needs. And so they, they look around the city, and they seem now in tune with the Spirit of God, and they believe that God might be ready to move. And they don't just sense it, but they ask for it. So they say, please notice the situation. They, they recognize that Elisha is anointed. They recognize that God is about to do a new work. And they say, you know, instead of wasting time here, here's what's really needed. And they identify the need and a desired move of God. And it appears that Elisha's increased faith and trust had been prearranged long before Anyone knew it, even with Elijah's. Well, it had been prearranged for a breakthrough that was needed in this city. And it certainly could have. Do you agree that Elijah could have been used to do this one? He was already doing miracles. He did a lot of miracles. And yet he never went to this city and did this miracle. God had reserved it for Elisha. And, and the Lord had saved this work for, as the scriptures say, such a time as this. Such a time as this. And there may be a such a time as this for you personally and us in this body. I know there are many breakthroughs needed in this room. In us individually, in certain family situations, in salvations, in prodigals, in relationships, in marriages, in finances, in health issues, mental health, well, emotional well-being. All of these issues, they, they're in this room too. If you're visiting here, if you say, well, I have some of that, welcome to the club, right? These things that need to, we might have seen God do a great work, but there's still some work to be done. Daniel 7.25 tells us that Satan is behind the wearing out of the saints. Did you know Satan is, his one goal is to wear out the believer, to wear you down to a frazzle, to a nub, and just take you out. And he doesn't need a big thing. He can use it with a thousand little things, tiny distractions or big big trials. He'll use everything and all things in between. But he cannot wear us out if God helps us out. He cannot wear us out if God helps us out. But do we want the help of God? Well, we listen to the word of God and the men that God has sent down through the ages. He sent, he sent Elisha to say, your city can be not only 80% healed, but 100% healed. Isn't that great? We have a pleasant city, but the water's bad and things are barren. But other than that, it's great. We've got a water situation here. We're still praying that God uh, heals that. And we think this year it will happen. Uh, I, I have great faith in that. But um, I don't really know what God is doing and preparing, but I truly believe he sent me this passage a few weeks ago. I've been meditating on it a few weeks. I shared it in a devotional form with the men. I've meditated on a lot more. I really believe God says that day he wanted me to open to it. He said, this is what I want you to think about, meditate on, dwell on it. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but I believe he's doing something. And I can really relate to this passage, and, and I think we all can. Uh, I see it in our church family that we've come along. I mean, this, this last passage, the breakthrough one here, uh, we, we've all come a long way. Here's where I can relate to it. I've come a long way since I got saved at the age of 26. And yet, there's still things God needs to do in me. Our family's come a long way, and there's still things that need to be done. Would that be true in your life? You say, God's done all this, and yet this still needs to be done. Right? 
You have some things in your house that the project has sat in limbo for a couple of years? Yeah, we all have. We all know what that's like. Where most, it's mostly right, but not this area. That's the area. That's the area that God is pinpointing. That's the area spotlighting. More breakthroughs are needed. We still need God to anoint the waters, the bitter waters. And out of our inch-by-inch growth, out of the pain we've come through and may still be coming through, steps we're taking, he just may say, God just might say, today's the day. This is the month. This is the year I'll fix it once and for all. What does it say? So the water remains healed to this day. There are some things God will do that are done, complete, never coming back. Isn't that great to know? I don't know what that is in your life or even in this church. But I do know that he can heal it once and for all and strengthen it once and for all. And I believe God was telling Elisha, I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that you're a God ready and willing to heal, to change, and to transform. And Lord, you, you'll, you'll have us endure some losses. But Lord, you have a purpose and a plan for it. Your unfolding plan is, is exactly that because we can't see it until it unfolds. But Lord, I pray that we would learn to trust and rely on you more. And before we close in worship, if you have something, I just want to say a prayer. With all, if you have something that this text re- related to you and spoke to you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to just pray a prayer for all. If there's something in this text, you say, I don't know. It may have been completely different than the other hands up. But it's just a te- you're just testifying to God. Say, Lord, I heard from your spirit. That's all you're saying. Lord, I heard from you. Because this text, I didn't write it. God gave it. There's something in the text, Lord, that spoke to me. I just want to pray, Lord, you see the hands. More importantly, you see the hearts. And Lord, I pray that whatever is needed, if it's growth, if it's healing from the loss, Lord, if it's the commitment and the surrender for the new steps forward to take up the mantle, which is in your word and in prayer and in your spirit. And Lord, lastly, if it's a breakthrough that's needed, Lord, you can heal and fix it today. Lord, we pray that you would do an anointing work, that you'd heal the bitter waters, but Lord, you would also give us those powerful steps forward by the strength of your spirit, that we'd continue to abide and grow. And Lord, as new losses will happen in our life, Lord, we'll continue to gain your perspective to come through them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.